0: Last week, South Africans woke up to a fuel price that is now 40% more expensive than it was 12 months ago. But it's not only at the pump that we're going to be feeling the pain. Electricity and food prices are also on the up as a result of the oil price volatility. In this episode, we're going to take a closer look at what all of this means for you and your business. This is No Ordinary Wednesday. It's an in-depth look at the events and trends, moving markets, shaping the economy, and changing the game. A warm welcome, I'm Jeremy Max. Now, the ripple effects of Russia's invasion of Ukraine are being felt globally, with countries experiencing rising energy and food prices, as well as soaring inflation. Fuel prices here in South Africa are at record highs. That's bad news. The unstable oil price and a number of other factors could push prices even higher in months to come. So what does the high cost of energy mean for electricity input costs? Should we be concerned? And how much more are we going to be paying for groceries? I'm going to let two experts tackle these critical issues. I'm joined by Herbert Karibe, an equity analyst at Investec, along with Wandili Sihlobo, chief economist at the Agricultural Business Chamber of South Africa. Let me welcome both of you to No Ordinary Wednesday. So, Herbert, let me start with you. The oil price, as we know, has been fluctuating for weeks. That is driving volatility in the energy market. Is this what we should expect going forward in coming months?
1: Uh, Jeremy, spot on, but just to unpack the issues, you've got three things at play. One is you've got underinvestment in oil and gas due to policy reform. Governments across the world don't want fossil fuels in the future. Then you've got, uh, as our next point, Russia-Ukraine. Russia is a top three global producer, exporting 5 million barrels a day. And another 3 million barrels a day in refined petroleum products being diesel, petrol, jet fuel, and so on. And just for context, the world consumes give or take 100 million barrels a day. South Africa, perhaps closer to home, you're looking at anywhere between five fifty and 600,000 barrels a day. Russia accounts for 10% of global crude production. So Russia is a big deal. And because of this war and Western sanctions, that supply side of things is somewhat compromised. The third part is strong demand. We are not back as yet to pre-COVID. Market commentary suggests perhaps we get there by end of this year. And you've got China in lockdown, given their zero COVID policy. So when that reopening comes through, you will have this surge in demand whereas the supply side of things is somewhat compromised. So to answer the question, high oil prices are here to stay because of limited supply and strong demand.
0: So we take a deep breath. We have to live with it. But coming back home, this has had a very, very negative impact, has it not, on the fuel price?
1: So our fuel prices, and that is before taxes, are based on import parity. This means that the cost reflects international prices, including the cost to bring the fuel to South Africa. Given crude oil is up more than 60% here to date, that means you should see the same at the pump before Texas. But this is
0: not the only factor at play. We also have an issue around oil refining capacity, don't we?
1: Agreed. This is where it gets worse. Global refining capacity has been on the decline. And this is because, again, policy reforms, you've got high fuel standards and closer to home clean fuels too should come to mind and the rise of EVs. The world needs diesel and petrol faster than our refineries can produce. There is no quick fix for this. A refinery needs 20 to 30 years to create a meaningful return on investment. China is the only country sitting on some capacity, estimated at $3 barrels per day. But again, a shift in policy means that they are no longer willing to pollute their air to sell commodities to the world. In short, we are stuffed. And if I were to quantify these numbers, diesel average refining margin is around 16 to $17 a barrel. Currently, it's sitting north of $50 per barrel. For petrol, it's supposed to be around 10, currently sitting in the mid-40s. So when you combine that with the increase in crude oil and then the refining margin, it just does not look very good for our fuel price locally and perhaps the rest of the world.
0: And bedeviling the problem and putting us on the back foot, I imagine, is landing product internationally, given that we're at the back of the queue and we're also geographically remote.
1: So agreed. And again, this is uh, becoming more a global story. And this is because the world has been uh, decommissioning refineries and again, investment in the overall uh, fossil fuels or fossil energy spectrum has been on the decline. And given we are importers of energy, it is coming to bite us.
0: Herbert, I'll bring you back into the conversation in just a moment. But uh, Wandili, a very warm welcome to No Ordinary Wednesday. Herbert has been speaking of an uncertain months ahead. What's your broad assessment then of the climate at the moment?
2: Indeed, we are in a difficult environment at the moment. But I think for me, if I were to look at the climate and look at it from a South African uh, consumer perspective, I do think that there are a few things that we could be slightly positive about. The first thing that many people have been asking me is to whether South Africa has sufficient food supplies and how are we looking on that perspective? And I would say the answer to that is yes. But of course, in key themes that Herbert was talking about, about the fuel and the impact of that within the food prices and the food industries. And of course, on the farmer's cost perspective, it's one of the worrying things. But broadly, we do not think that South Africa is in a much critical situation as other countries. What I mean by that is that, you know, you're looking at a food price inflation that is just a few notches over 6%, which is almost, you know, slower pace compared to what we had seen in 2021. So yes, tough environment, but not as bad as what we have seen um, in the past.
0: So food security then, that's a positive. We don't have to be too concerned about that. But food producers themselves, how then do they deal with and mitigate against high input costs and particularly around the fuel debate?
2: I think a couple of the food producers have already started to pass on those increases. We've seen that in the newspaper in a couple of uh, weeks back that some companies like the likes of Tiger and the others have already signaled those increases. And I think the important thing when one looks at the food basket in South Africa is that not all products are rising at the same time. You have those that are starch products, bread and cereal, and to an extent vegetable oils rising. But if you are to look at the mid-price inflation and to an extent in fruits and vegetables, we do see a sideways movement there and even a deceleration in the fruits and the vegetable cluster. So, which is why when you average the food basket, it looks fairly rising at a much more moderate pace compared to what you would see last year. But certainly for food companies, uh, there's a lot of pressure they will have to pass on to the consumer some of those increases.
0: But the consumer themselves have very little room to navigate at the moment. They're being squeezed, aren't they?
2: The consumer have a little room to navigate, particularly if you look at an environment like us here in South Africa, where you already have roughly 6 million people or so that are in deep poverty. So when these prices are rising, of course, they put pressure on those. And I think here, this is where it's relevant to also look at the basket of the people in the lower LSM to say, what products are they buying? You find that they buy a lot of oils, maize meal, bread, samp, and those are also the products that are rising at a faster pace. So, of course, the lower LSM part is going to be in a tough cottage, which is why I think the support, like what the government had done, through all of these various grants that they've been put in place since the COVID-19, those are making an improvement in the households. And there's evidence coming out of the DPRU at UCT, Harun Borat and the guys, which are speaking to those improvements that those supports to the household are actually making in this current climate.
0: At some point, though, Wandili, are we going to have to re-examine subsidy and the VAT debate again?
2: Those are things that can be discussed at a broad policy level. But I think in the foreseeable future, I still think that there is a prospect to stomach some of these increases that are coming in. Of course, the next two months are critical because I think that's when the increases that the food companies are making will pretty much show up in the retail prices of a range of products. So by looking at where the households will be at that time, that would be an important thing to monitor. And of course, to help positive points about the rising fuel prices, one of the tricky things about South Africa is the fact that you find that roughly 80 percent or so of our food is transported by road. So those increased costs in energy and fuel are much more intense when one look at it in that perspective. So it's something to look at that you might come out in the discussion. But my side, I'm a bit more hopeful that towards the end of the year, a range of food products, you could see them softening. So we're going to have a bit of an uptick in July or so. And thereafter, we'll take her off. Maybe by that time, the pressure would have slightly lessened somewhat to a consumer.
0: Is the farming community having to adopt different strategies when it comes to harvesting and output?
2: not at this point, but what we see happening now is that the farming, of course, they are using bigger machinery, which to some extent, while being and doing a larger area in, in a short space of time, they tend to be fuel efficient. Because if you were to look at the level of fuel that people use in about 100 hectares, for example, now, and you compare that with about a decade ago, we have made enormous improvement at this time around. And of course, understanding that fuel makes a huge component in the farmer's input costs. If you take an example, grains, which is your wheat and maize and soybeans, fuel makes up about 13% of those input costs. So it's something that the farmers are monitoring closely, but the change in a way of doing business has been caused more strikingly by the climate change, where farmers are saying what are the other better methods of conserving the soil quality and the moisture, but the fuel side also over time, the machinery we use has been more efficient. And I think that is to an extent presenting us a positive gain.
0: So Herbert, as we've heard from Wandili Sihlobo, food producers are feeling the pinch, but you've spoken about high fuel costs, particularly diesel. That inevitably is going to affect our electricity supply, given the reliance on turbines.
1: In South Africa, our primary source of electricity, of course, is ESCOM, and they are doing that through Coal and some nuclear and some diesel, if I can put it that way. So, the high diesel costs, and this is before we even get into the load shedding narrative, simply means that our electricity supply has become a lot more expensive. So, again, to generate the limited supply is increasingly becoming expensive because of what we mentioned earlier the high crude oil prices and the high diesel refining margins. So, supply. Is going to be more expensive, not any more, less. But it was already affected because of erratic maintenance from uh, ESCOM, which subsequently leads to load shedding.
0: And you'll agree with me that there is at present an unhealthy dependence on diesel, is there not?
1: So the number is estimated to be 9 million litres a day of diesel. That is quite a lot. And if you want it in rands, you are looking at anywhere between 2.3 to 4.4 billion rand a month. That is a lot.
0: We'll continue this conversation in just a moment. I would like to remind you that a new episode of No Ordinary Wednesday drops every fortnight. Please don't miss it. Subscribe to Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the channel, please rate us. Herbert, let's get back then, if we can, to the high cost of diesel for Eskom. It would almost be impossible right now for the power utility to afford higher prices than the ones that you've outlined. This is real back against the wall stuff, isn't it?
1: So Eskom probably cannot afford uh, this high diesel prices. But then again, the cost of not producing the electricity is way too much or way too high as opposed to just paying for the diesel itself. But I think it's also important, and I don't want to say ESCOM is too big to fail, but it is the backbone of our economy. And more important, ESCOM does have a big brother called government underwritten by the taxpayer, you and me. So even with the high diesel cost, the country will have to make a plan, come up with a way to fund the diesel cost.
0: But I mean, the reality is that there is such an uncertain future, a worsening energy crisis globally. If this current price trajectory continues, this in many ways could be the death knell for ESCOM unless, as you suggest, help comes in the hand of or from the hand of Big Brother.
1: So Big Brother is also under some strain, but the country or rather the fiscus, has seen some windfalls from, say, the commodities But again, this is money we could have spent on education, healthcare, debt reduction if you must, but now we are going to pretty much use it elsewhere just to keep the limited supply of electricity going. And just for ESCOM as a whole, the situation is difficult. You've had this history of erratic maintenance leading to load shedding and now expensive inputs in the form of coal and diesel with a backdrop of high debt levels, and again, an energy transition away from fossil fuels, which is pretty much coal. So for the customer, and again, this speaks to ESCOM, you are paying more for electricity that's not available. ESCOM will struggle to pass on the cost to consumers, and added pressure is coming because your savvy customer, the one that's able to pay, is adopting renewables and slowly moving away from the grid. So the outlook is not good.
0: So what is the plan then going forward and possibly in the short term? Is it perhaps accelerating the whole renewables debate and uh, just hastening or accelerating policy in that respect, which we know has also been fairly slow?
1: I think we do have a low hanging fruit, but it all comes down to political will. We have made some positive strides, but uh, there is more that can be done. But right now, in the immediate short term, I'm afraid we are going to have to take some pain. And in terms of electricity prices, the only way is up because coal up, diesel up. And I worry that the typical consumer may not be able to afford any more than they are being charged right now, given everything up.
0: So, talking about pain that the consumer's got to feel, we've just had this massive fuel hike. I don't know, Herbert, about you. When I filled up my car, I had to have a, a soothing, sugary drink afterwards because I was really shocked. We inevitably, given the volatility scenario that you've just outlined, we will expect more hikes in the immediate future, won't we?
1: Again, spot on. The next one is probably in July. On the petrol side, you're probably looking at another Rand and 30 cents to two Rand 47. And on the diesel side, 75 cents, maybe 85. But all of this is uh, dependent on the czar and uh, crude oil and again, refining margins. But I think it's safe to say that in the short term, there is still more pain to come and also... Given all the dynamics at play, I think it's too soon to call when uh, we may begin to see some relief. We are going into a driving season in the northern hemisphere that normally comes with a higher demand for fuel. And I think that will just filter through globally and eventually our shores here.
0: We've just heard Herbert speaking about the fuel price that we've just experienced or the increase we've just experienced at the pump and uh, more pain to come. So with more hikes, Wendili, on the cards, what impact then is this going to have on prices and food inflation?
2: I think that's the major worry where I'm thinking that that will reflect more on that July-August price inflation. But in our view, we still think that you will see food price inflation averaging somewhere between 6 and 6.2 this year. Yes, that will be intense, but it will be intense just for those few months. What will assist a lot is the deceleration that we're expecting in the fruits and vegetables, but also meat prices a moving sideways part of the story there is an increase in the supply of meat mid- on the backdrop or closure of our exports because of the foot and mouth disease. But of course, there's always risks there because there are poultry import tariffs that are rising, which could can undo the deceleration in the prices that we expect on the red meat side. But broadly, our view on food price inflation is that it is contained than what we are seeing in the other parts of the world. And even considering some of these fuel price increases that Herbert was speaking about. But of course, the fuel and the poultry import tariffs are things that one has to monitor as an upside risk on the backdrop of the picture that I've just painted, which is a slightly more favourable.
0: Wandili Sithlobo, along with Herbert Karibe, thank you both for joining me on No Ordinary Wednesday. Please join us again on the 22nd of June as we continue to explore money trends shaping your world. If you haven't yet added us to your podcast feed, search for Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts and hit that subscribe button. Until next time, goodbye from me, Jeremy Mags, and the entire Focus Radio team. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendations. Investec Limited and subsidiaries, authorized financial service providers, registered credit providers and long-term insurer.